Hello, and welcome back to The, the Mentors. Mentors. This is Vadim. And Sergey. And you are listening to our weekly segment called The 5-Minute Pick-Me-Up, where we tell you stories to motivate you for the week to come. And today's episode is about how to create an unfair advantage. We're going to tell you three stories, one from a founder that we talked to this week that is using a strategy that actually Sergey's old boss, Andrew Yang, at Venture for America used to initially grow interest in their concept. We're going to tell you a story about a guest that was on the show, the founder of Teespring, and we're going to end by talking about what Tinder did in the early days to create an unfair advantage for themselves. You know the show is about how to get concepts and businesses off the ground in the early days, and usually the unfair advantage for startups in the early days comes from creatively creating a go-to market strategy that's A, difficult to replicate, and B, usually is more creative than what other more established companies do because you have less resources and you have less money to spend, and you are forced to be creative in the very early days. This is why we always say that as an entrepreneur, it's your job to identify a customer acquisition strategy that is incredibly specific because that's how you will actually attract people to the value that you're creating and later on will be able to communicate the opportunity that you specifically have to get in front of those people. So nothing worse than when an entrepreneur comes to us or to an advisor that we introduce them to and when they're asked what is their plan to go to market or to get their initial customers and they answer the most generic way. We're going to do social media, we're going to do search engine optimization, Facebook ads. Great. That tells me absolutely nothing and it shows me that you actually don't know how to find your customers because you don't have a real strategy. But for example, I was talking to a woman recently that ran a company where they published books and in the beginning they got their customers through SEO, through search and optimization because they would optimize for keywords that were something like publishing a PhD thesis in Brooklyn, New York, right? That's very specific and they knew exactly how they were going to optimize for that. That's completely different than saying SEO. Exactly. So if you're going to say SEO or if you're going to say social media, why social media, what specific strategy are you going to employ that tells me that you know about the, the strategy and you know exactly how to target the right customer. The inspiration from this episode comes from a conversation I had earlier this week about a woman who is working on an alternative education business teaching soft skills and life skills to high school kids. So her customers are the parents because they're the ones that are paying for these classes that she's offering. And I thought that her strategy was pretty unique that she found out kind of accidentally. But what she did is she made relationships with a lot of parents of high school age kids over the course of several months trying to understand what is it that they need or they think their kids need that they're not currently getting from their regular school education. And in the process of talking to these parents, she would get some information from them and a way to contact them, both email and phone number in case she needed to call them. And when she came up with her business after all of these interviews, when all said and done, she had about 200 to 300 parents who she was already in touch with, and she was trying different marketing strategies to try to get them to actually enroll their kids in her classes. And one thing that ended up being a really unique strategy, specifically among immigrant parents, Indian and Asian parents, which is actually where she knew a lot of people, is that she knew they used WhatsApp to talk to each other all the time. So she tested one strategy where she would email people, but then she would also supplement with texting them through WhatsApp to send them information about the classes. And it turned out that the WhatsApp strategy was really specific and unique to these specific parents she was targeting, where they would then automatically forward the messages, create groups, and send information about the classes, and it started to go viral from here. So just by being specific about the type of customer 
customer she was activating and the method with which she was activating them through text message, specifically through WhatsApp as a platform, gave her that initial point of differentiation where there was an actual go-to-market strategy there. And I noticed that the Andrew Yang presidential campaign, when he was still running for president, was doing the same thing. They would sometimes text you two or three times per day. If somebody came to me and asked me, should I employ texting people daily as a marketing strategy, I would say that they're crazy because that would annoy people. But it turns out if you donate to a presidential candidate that you support that you want to see win, texting works really well. And they found that out by testing a bunch of different mediums through which to message people. So that's just one method of delivery that works for these two different types of businesses. And by the way, they would text you from different phone numbers or have different people sign the texts so that it didn't feel like the same person was bugging you over and over again. All right, the other quick story that we have is actually about Teespring, a company that raised $65 million and at one point was worth I think half a billion dollars. That episode is episode 62 called Teespring's Meteoric Rise and what happened after they raised $65 million with Evan Stites Clayton. But the way that they got their customers early on is very simple. First of all, I do encourage that you go back and listen to the episode if you want to hear the details. But what they did early on is they noticed that most small businesses like restaurants and small brands started to have a presence on Facebook specifically. And right when Facebook pages started to become popular for businesses, people were going to those pages oftentimes to learn about the business. Not necessarily the website, but to the Facebook page. Just because you were already using Facebook to talk with your friends, to make plans with your friends, to see what they were up to. This was just a great extension of that. And they noticed that one way that they could offer value to these businesses that own Facebook pages is by helping them create marketing campaigns for them. And specifically, the way that they would help market their business is by custom making t-shirts for these businesses. Now, nobody else at the time, no custom making t-shirt company at the time was reaching out specifically to business owners on Facebook pages, so where they had that presence there, and telling them to market their t-shirts and then their businesses on their Facebook pages. Nobody else was doing that. And for years, they actually got customers that way and were literally generating about $30 million a month just through that customer acquisition strategy. Again, going somewhere where other people were not going. And notice the specificity. Facebook pages were a new, it was a new medium or a new channel on social media. So it wasn't just, oh, we have a Facebook strategy. No, we're going after a new piece of real estate in Facebook where the type of customer we want lives now. So think about the specificity with which you're reaching people. You know, if for your business, for example, if TikTok makes sense, okay, that's great. Tell me why that makes sense for your specific demographic. And that is already more specific than we're just going to generally use social media. The final story that we want to tell you is about how Tinder got started in the early days. This came from a podcast episode that one of the founders of Tinder was on, and there was a bunch of articles written about it. But long story short, when they came up with the app, Initially, they just blasted people in their address book and they could see that the conversions of people signing up from their phone address books was really high. So they decided to try a new strategy because it was proven that they could just ask someone to sign up and it would work. And that strategy stemmed from a unique situation that they had. One of their friends 
who was in college, was throwing a birthday party for his friend. It was this young woman. And part of the planning for this birthday is that this guy was going to rent a bus for his friend. This is in USC to drive students from the campus to the party, right? And back and forth. And over the course of the night, it was going to be about 500 students that would get to be on this bus. So because the founder of Tinder had this friend that was throwing this party, he decided to ask the girl for whom the party was being thrown if it was okay if they basically bought and took over the bus, paid for the whole bus, and called it a Tinder party. And she thought it was really exciting because the app was new, and they literally forced every single person who got on and off the bus to download the app. They had to show the bouncers from the bus. They hired these bouncers. They had to show them that they downloaded the app to enter the bus. By the end of the night, they had 400 signups, and then people went home after the party and were just curious to play around with the app and started matching with each other. Because that strategy worked so well, they realized the university market was going to be attractive to them. So they started doing the in-person game. They would literally go to a sorority and they would tell all the sorority sisters to take pictures of themselves and upload them on this app. Then they would go to a competing fraternity and they would tell all the fraternity guys that these girls that were in the neighboring sorority already had profiles of themselves in the application and that if they download this app, they could swipe on the app and actually meet those girls and go out with them. And that was a no-brainer marketing strategy for them, and they literally went grassroots from one school organization to the other and from one school to the other. And they were able to grow within one month from 20,000 users to half a million users through this super grassroots but then ultimately viral marketing strategy. So how do you create an unfair advantage for yourself? One, be as specific as possible with your strategy. If it's too broad, you haven't yet figured out the unique opportunity that you have to get in front of the customers that will find value in what you're trying to do. Two, go where others don't. If it's already a proven path, for example, if you think you can now go to Facebook pages and pitch them custom t-shirts, it's not really going to work anymore, right? Marketing channels only work for so long. If it's already saturated, it's probably not a good place to spend your time. So try to go where others don't. And last but not least, of course, one way to create an unfair advantage for yourself is to leverage the contacts or connection or knowledge that you specifically have that other people don't have or that other people don't have access to. Think about that, your domain expertise, and maybe marry that with some of the other ideas that we gave you to come up with a unique way to reach people that others aren't thinking about right now. Thanks so much for listening to this five-minute pick-me-up, and we'll see you on Wednesday.